Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to Food Network Obsessed, the podcast where we dish on all things Food Network with your favorite Food Network stars. I am your host, Jamie Sire, and today I am so pumped. We're talking to a guy that you all know very well. Uh, You might have guessed it already. We have Guy Fieri on Food Network Obsessed today. We talk all about Tournament of Champions, his work with the Restaurant Employee Relief Fund, and so much more. But before we get into it with Guy, I thought in honor of TOC, we would play a little game. If you watched Tournament of Champions before, then you are very familiar with the randomizer. And I'm pretty sure this is the thing that chefs maybe have nightmares about from competing on this show, because essentially what happens is it randomly chooses what they are going to make in these head to head challenges. Guy gets up there, spins this huge wheel. It, It lands on a protein, a produce, equipment, style of dish and the time that they have to make it. Super challenging is completely different every single time he spins. So. We are bringing the randomizer to the podcast today, and what we're going to do is our producers are going to, quote unquote, spin the randomizer a couple of times. Each time, I'm going to tell you what I would make if I was competing, which I never would be because I would be terrible at this game, but, uh, you know, we thought it'd be fun. I don't Fun? I don't know. Challenging? Um, I, I don't know what the right word for it is. I don't know why I'm doing this myself, but here we go. Spin number one. So protein, we've got salmon, produce, pomegranate, equipment, microwave, what? style, smoky, and uh, time 35 minutes. Okay, guys, this is just mean and cruel and wrong because everybody knows the number one rule in any office, no fish in the microwave. Um, I think I've actually heard you can steam fish in the microwave, but... I just don't know if I could bring myself to do it. I actually read recently that you can um, get more juice out of a citrus, like a lemon, by like popping it in the microwave for 30 seconds. Um, They're easier to juice. So maybe I would do that. I don't know if the judges would count me off some points for like not using it for the whole dish, but that's what I'm going with. Um, I love chipotle peppers in adobo sauce for like a nice smoky component. It, It adds that really quickly. So maybe I would combine... That with uh, with the pomegranate, like some sort of sauce, and that would go over the salmon. And of course, we would use the citrus that I got from the microwave. Um, but I'm pan frying the salmon. I can't I can't put that in the microwave, guys. All right. Nothing could be worse than that. So let's go with spin number two. Protein. We've got a flank and short rib produce avocado. All right. Equipment, a mandolin style is sweet. And I've got 45 minutes. Um, Sweet is throwing me off. I I believe flank and short ribs, those are those, the Korean style short ribs cut across the bones. Um, But but making them sweet, that's maybe like a a Mexican like mole sauce, because, you know, that is a sweeter sauce. It's got the chilies. It's got chocolate in there for the avocado. I mean, avocado would go with that. But I feel like if you wanted to maybe get a little creative, I, I feel like I saw somewhere recently that you could like kind of dry out the pit and, and grate it. Um, and that kind of adds like a, a nutty component. I feel like maybe I would get like some bonus points for that. Mandolin, I think maybe just like thinly slice some radishes or some vegetables, um, to make a little, a little salad on top of like a little freshness, a little crunchiness. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing with the short ribs. I mean, I guess I'm braising them with this mole sauce. So I think that sounds actually pretty good. And 45 minutes, that's, that's good that I have a little bit extra time. What is a spin number three? We've got shrimp for our protein, carrots for the produce, 
a meat grinder for our equipment. And the style is Caribbean. And I've got 30 minutes to make this happen. Okay. Okay, actually, I know what I'm going to do. I, I made some salmon burgers over the weekend. I actually use a food processor for that, but I think I could use a meat grinder uh, to maybe grind up the shrimp and the carrots with that and like make some sort of burger patty out of out of the shrimp and carrots. That sounds good, right? Maybe some Caribbean seasonings or sauces of some sort. Um, and we make like a Caribbean shrimp burger patty. I, I, I could do that in 30 minutes. I feel like that was that was a little easier. So I appreciate you guys ending on a on a positive note there. That was super fun. If you haven't seen Tournament of Champions yet, not to worry. You've only missed one episode. So get caught up and start tuning in because it is a lot of fun. It is that randomizer is savage. I mean, you just saw me try to stumble my way through it and I'm not even actually cooking anything. I'm just like thinking of dishes on the spot. Uh, Okay, so let's get to it. You've seen him cruising across the country in his 67 red Camaro for diners, drive-ins and dives. He is the host of Guys Grocery Games and now he's back hosting season two of Tournament of Champions. He is the real deal. It's Guy Fieri. Guy, welcome to the pod. Um, For starters, I have to say, you you certainly know how to butter up the host of the show. I I know our listeners can't see this at home, but I am wearing my new uh, Flavortown kitchen hoodie and your team sent over... a mountain of food to try yesterday. So, so thank you. Well, mountain is what we do. So I'm glad that you recognize it as mountain. Um, <laughs> no, my, my team's been working really hard to get uh, Flavortown Kitchen up and running nationwide. And I figured if we were going to get a chance to talk with you all, at least you had a chance to enjoy uh, Flavortown Kitchen, have a chance to reflect and now we can speak to each other without you going through super crunchy fries and queso dip and the chicken guy sandwich and the bacon <laughs> mac and cheeseburger and the pig poppers. And the fried pickles and the Cuban sandwich. And uh... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Continue on. I, maybe I forgot some other things. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And I appreciate that you taking the time. I know you are a very, very busy guy these days. Um, and let's start with Flavortown Kitchen and, and talk a little bit more about that. Where did that, where did that concept come from? Because now people across the country can literally go to Flavortown from the, the comfort of their own home. And and we've been talking about this mysterious place of Flavortown for a long time. And it never was started as a uh, as an idea that it really was going to become uh, become something. You know, I think there was a gigantic pizza one time we were shooting a triple D joint. And I said, look at this. It looks like a manhole cover in the streets of Flavortown. <laughs> that was it. That was it. And a few few weeks later, I think I said, you know, something. We had a big plate of pasta, and I said, it "Looks like a the steering wheel on a bus driving to Flavortown." That was it. So then I would run into people, fans on the street or at the airport or something. They'd go, "Man, I'm going to Flavortown," or "I'm a resident of Flavortown," and I'm like. Okay, and I look at you know look at our uh, our director of photography uh, Chico, and I said, and he goes, "Remember you were talking about the flavor town, the bus, and the thing." And I'm like, "Really?" So then, of course, now that you know we think it's funny, so now I start saying it more, and it evolved. Anyhow, what what happened? Where did this restaurant come from? So you know, we've uh, of course our industry, our restaurant industry, has just been clobbered 
I mean, that's not even a, that's not even a right term. I mean, it's been taken out at the knees. It's been it, it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And what is happening is we've got a lot of restaurants that are down to 25% capacity. We have um, a lot. Folks are finally catching on to the concept of delivery and to go, you know. And I'm one of those folks because I was never a delivery guy. I never get anything delivered. And... Um, in the delivery, I would give all the credit in the world that these delivery companies have really upped their game. And restaurants have learned how to package food correctly for delivery. Bah, 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 bah. All these things have fallen into place. So I thought, well, here's a great opportunity. You know, I do, I have 75 restaurants and um, we really enjoy the way we do them and the way we make food and the style of food in which I do it and and scratch made and simple food. You know, what you see is what you get. Bacon, mac, and cheeseburger. If you're going to bake a bacon, mac, and cheeseburger, it better be damn good mac and cheese. It better be really great beef, on and on and on. And so we said, let's try this. So we went, so what, what the program is, is restaurants are already open. They already have staff cooking. They already have the lights on, the heat on, the insurance paid, and they've got these big kitchens, and they're only doing 25% of the business they were doing on the front of the house, and they're doing some of the, some delivery. Why don't we come in, bring a new concept in, bring some new packaging in, and make it a virtual kitchen, and they can only order online, and it can only be served by delivery, and see if this works. We have 165 of those locations currently in 30 states and uh, hopefully by uh, the end of two more weeks will be almost to 200. That's that's very impressive. And uh, (laughs) no, I I mean, I love I love the idea of it because, like you said, it's um, it's just a creative way to really, you know, continue to use these spaces, these these ghost kitchens, these virtual kitchens and, and also, you know, delivering food to people who who need it and maybe don't feel comfortable going to restaurants. And uh, I, again, we, we thank you for uh, the, the food that you sent over. It was essentially like a big game spread, which I think is very fitting because uh, given my sports background, your love of sports. And of course, we are talking Tournament of Champions, which is super exciting. Uh, it- nice segue. Nice. You see that? That's how a pro does it, folks. Okay? Well, I mean, she got way out there. She, she, she circled, I circled around. The I should have seen that freight train coming, but I didn't. It whipped right in this place. Well done. Well done. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate that very much. I, I, I pride myself on the, on the transition. So, uh, speaking of which, Tournament of Champions, it's back. It premiered on Sunday. I'm curious if there's anything that fans might be expecting this season that they didn't see last season. No, if you like to see people uh, completely lose their shit, <laughs> and uh, you want to see people get yell at screens. If you want to see people uh, cross my name off their Christmas card list. Nah. And, uh, and no, I'm telling you, this randomizer is worse than what it was last year. Really? How is that possible? <laughs> I don't know, man. I All I know is this. And I love how everybody thinks that I'm the one that comes up with all these diabolical problems uh-huh. in guys' grocery games. Perhaps I have a hand in them, but I have an amazing, and I stress to you, amazing team that produces Guy's Grocery Games with me, and which happens to be, coincidentally, the same 
crazies that make Tournament of Champions. So when we start looking at things of different types of equipment that we're going to challenge them to use or different types of uh, proteins or vegetables or styles of cooking, you can be assured that I have I have a percentage of the uh, of the problem. I have a percentage of the uh, input. Okay. But I have real wackos. <laughs> I mean, like really people that need to be probably checked at the door before they're allowed to come in. You know, probably can't get on get on a lot of flights if you know what I mean. But no, it's 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 just it's just hell that show and what these chefs go through. And I know all these chefs very well. And I'll tell you, this year when we shot the show and I when I watch them cook and then I see the plates get put in front of the judges and then I listen to the judges talk about them, then before the I read off the answer or read off the winner or I don't even know who the winner. Oh, by the way, I don't ever want to know who the winner is. I have zero interest in knowing who's when. Just give me the damn piece of paper. And when I read it, then we'll see it on the screen. But I always say to myself or one of my producers who I think is going to win this round. Okay. And how often are you right? Mm, this year? Let me just say this. I would be uh, doing this podcast out of a tent if I had bet the house on it. Okay? <laughs> Upset city is all I can tell you. People coming in, dishes look great, and judges blowing people out of the water. And remember, the judges have no idea who is who's competing. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the, completely and the, blind, and the right? Yeah. And the competitors have no idea who's judging. I want to talk more about this randomizer because I, I did see last week's randomizer. It did seem pretty tough, and that's just week one. What would you be most scared of uh, if you were standing there awaiting your fate from the randomizer? All of it. <laughs> all of it. It's all. It, and, and what is even more in more difficult to it is it's kind of like having um, this something on your shoulder because mm-hmm. like someone talking in your ear, getting in your head because you know the chef that's over there cooking in the other station wants to take you down and wants to win and go forward. And and you know this is not just like some walk off the street kind of regular schmo, you know, regular chef. You're talking about a full blown, <laughs> you know, culinary assassin is coming in to battle with you. You know, hey, that sounds fun. Let me get this stupid big wheel to spin me these ridiculous ingredients and give me no time to do it. And all of a sudden that guy said go and I've got 30 minutes to either make it or break it. I mean, this is the kind of stuff we should we should give like free counseling, uh, like a coupon. Like, here you go. You know, it's crazy. It, 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 I, I'm, I'm joking around, but I'm going to tell you something. I tell all the chefs, go home in the first round, win the whole thing. I have the same amount of respect because it is crazy and you have to be strong and you have to. You, it, it, there's just no there's no telling. There's no telling how it's going to go down. That's And that's the reason that this is such an amazing competition, because the variables are unbelievable. And you'll never see the same battle twice, ever. 
ever, 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 ever. No, I think that's really cool. And I think it's, um, you, you know, we, we keep talking and, and comparing it to sports and, and college basketball and that kind of thing. And it really is because you, you can have these Cinderella stories. And, and this year, you guys have the equivalent of, of a playing game, um, you know, reminiscent of, of the college hoops bracket that we all love and watch in March as well. Uh, is that where that idea came from? And, and what kind of um, element does that kind of add to the chefs that are already... The that are already in. Well, you're too young to remember. <laughs> I don't know about that. The 19, who won the NCAA in 1990? Well, I, I can't remember what happened yesterday, so. <laughs> okay, yes. And you were born in 90. So, 80, or, but... <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Um, 1990, I graduated uh, UNLV. And the greatest team, my favorite team, the Running Rebels, won the NCAA. And it was one of the greatest things, you know, to be a senior in college and have your team win and the whole town explodes. And we're tiny, you know, UNLV was a pretty small school at the time. So um, always been a fan of the tournament, you know, and love brackets. And it really makes you, you know, you're going for a team, then they're taken out. Okay, now who are you going to follow? You know, and you start to learn so much about the teams and the more time they spend on TV, the more you learn about them and, and on they go. Mm-hmm. And so I've always had in my mind and I'm going, okay, so where's the big gauntlet culinary competition? I think we do a good job on guys' grocery games, but I wanted to even take it up another level. Okay, like where are we going to get this? So I came up with this idea um, of Tournament of Champions. And we didn't call it Tournament of Champions. I don't know what we called it. Like, you know, it had all kinds of terrible names uh, (laughs) because we wanted to scare people about coming to it, you know. Um, But I wanted to create... Uh, I'm an investor in the UFC um, and I'm a big fan and I wanted to create an environment that gave the battle hardened warriors mm-hmm. that want to compete the environment to go and get their shot. And so we came up with this and as we went through it, I had to take the things and I have a great partner in crime, this guy, Brian Lando, who's unbelievable. And, um, but I, we had to take it step by step. Okay, first thing, um, eliminations, bracket, has to be total sports orientation, boom, boom, boom. Second, how do we pick who's going to go against two? It's got to be a seeding. you got to have, got to look at these things, how much they compete, when did they last compete, what have they won, bop, 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 bop. And there's a lot of people that weigh in on the seeding, by the way, including fans. Mm-hmm. And we started going through this, okay, well, how do we... How do we pick it? Well, one of the things we learned in guys' grocery games is that we really, really like the impromptuness of the, when we'd roll the dice or we'd spin a wheel, spin one of the, you know, the, 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 the simple wheels. And I said, well, that's got to be the kickoff to it. We've got to make it so no two games could ever be alike. Because otherwise, if they know it's going to be these three proteins potentially and these three vegetables potentially, they could go and start to conjure these images in their head. Well, once you start to take those variables uh, and, and diversify them, and then you take equipment and diversify that, and then you take style on top of that. Oh, I mean, now it's all, all preparation is out the window. <laughs> Completely out the window. So, you know, putting it all together, um, it was the intention of creating that pandemonium 
and the excitement and the get and the fan interaction mm-hmm. that makes tournament of champions what it is. And that's and one of the last things that came down about the tournament was the blind tasting. And everybody's like, we can't have blind tasting. I mean, they're, the judges have to see what's going on. I said, no, 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 no. I've got that figured out. We're going to have two people stand there and work as the ombudsman for the chef. So they're going to be able to explain. So the chef isn't there to answer where do they put the macadamia nut. They're going to have a guy there that says they put the macadamia nut in the crust and they also blend it into the sauce. And they're going to have somebody there to work on their behalf. Not as a salesman, just to report the information. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, shucks. (laughs) We've, we can do this with a blind tasting. Well, that changes the world because I don't care who you are, how straight up the middle, how, how tight you are about something. There's no way that you could have a chef make you something and you know that their discipline of cooking is that genre, that era, that style, that method, that ingredient, and it would not weigh in on you in their favor or against them. There's no way that can happen. We're human. Okay, so let's do this. Let's just take all of that out of it and let's just have the let's just have the chef, let's have the dish judged simply by itself. And I'm going to tell you what, that's what cuts this that's what cuts this competition from every other competition that's ever existed is the fact that it's blind tasting. And and then little other things like live audience and so forth. But it's been, uh, I'm, I'm so overwhelmingly proud of this and not for me per se, but for what my team does and for what it does and what it generates for these chefs. Because this is some breakout stuff here. This is some stuff that when these chefs come in and win, lose, whatever, this is a chance for them to show their true grit. And this is a chance for the world to see more about these these chefs than they probably ever would have ever seen before. So it's it serves a lot of wonderful opportunities as uh, during its painful (laughs) experience. Tournament of Champions isn't all fun and games, though. There's a greater purpose this season, and we're going to dive into that when we come back. Absolutely. No, I think it's brilliant. And, and like you said, it's it's really the it, it is the only show out there that has a completely blind, you know, taste test during during that judging portion. And, and another thing that you guys did implement this year that I'm sure you are also very, very proud of and and puts even more on the line for these chefs is the fact that the show is donating ten thousand dollars in their name to whatever restaurant they they choose. And I think that that is just such you know a cool thing that you guys are doing, especially in these times that, that we're living in and and you talked about it at the top and and how brutal it's been for the restaurant industry how important was that piece to you uh for this season so courtney white is our president at the food network and she is um she's a fantastic leader um because leaders fantastic leaders in my opinion listen and um evaluate and consider and you know especially when one of their field generals comes to him and says i got a problem and we're getting ready to go into studio 
And there were some problems going down down in L.A. where some restaurants were really getting some bad, bad uh, shakedowns Mm -hmm. and weren't able to open and other people were and all this kind of stuff was taking place. And I called. I said, I really feel terrible to go in and do this show knowing that we've got restaurants that are, you know, basically being shuttered because they can't do their service and on and on and on. And I've got chefs who have restaurants that are being shuttered. I said, how about we give some money to some restaurants? I said, how about when a chef goes to play, they get to talk about a restaurant that they want to recognize and honor. And if they win that round, first we said, if they, when they play, each chef will give 5000 We'll give $5,000 from each chef. That's fun, but it's also a little more exciting to get 10000 So why don't we make it, why don't we make it the winning chef? So when a chef, so this chef would say, I'm playing for this restaurant, the chef I'm playing for this restaurant, and they go and they battle. So they're not just playing for themselves anymore. They know that they're playing, and if they win, that restaurant that they just talked about that we do a nice little cover piece on, which is a nice little advertisement, you get advertised on the Food Network, you know, you get a little triple D effect, as we call it. <laughs> people go, people pay attention. Oh, Antonio LaFaso said that, I'm going to go, you know. So we put that out there, and these these restaurants we gave, uh, we'll, at the, by the end of this, we'll give uh, over a quarter million dollars in donations to restaurants in need. And, and on top of it, more importantly, raise awareness mm-hmm. that these restaurants, you know, that we need to get out and help restaurants. So, yeah, so the donation, but that's, you know, that's the Food Network. That's uh, that's a president that uh, when you go to her with a concern and you you need support and uh, and you need support now. Like, I, I need this now. We got to do this now. Tomorrow we start to shoot. And how do you put that? How do you write that into the big, you know, program that we're getting ready to do and everybody's getting a call Sunday evening. Hey, just so you know, we're getting 10,000 bucks. Anybody that wins, oh my God, how do we, you know, know, and you see smoke coming out of people's ears. And by the time I arrived, like, okay, how does this sound when you, when we explain this to the audience? Mm -hmm. So again, a lot of great people, a lot of great, you know, people sharing vision and, you know, there's a common, the, the thing about us as chefs and as, as, fans of food and all this kind of stuff. Um, This has been the most trying time, heartbreaking time, unfair. You name it. I can sit here and cry about it forever. Um, But I will tell you what, it sure is great to see humanity, you know, come back to the table and get, and everybody get involved and, and not that it's been gone, but you know, not everybody's exercised in it. And it's really been amazing. I mean, I've just, I've seen the greatest things out of people in this last year. And, uh, you know, I think that you'll, when you watch TOC, you'll see these chefs talk about these restaurants. And just last week, you know, just last night when, um, Naisha won, um, you know, she could barely, she could barely get it out. And I'm sitting there looking at her, you know, and I'm emotional about this. I mean, this is my friends too, or there's, and she's trying to talk about it. And I'm like, yeah, keep it together. Keep it together. Let's not stop crying because I'll probably cry, you know. So pretty amazing. No, it's it's incredible. I mean, and this is I mean, this is nothing new for you. I mean, you are a philanthropist like through and through. I mean, you were helping out our first responders on the front line way before the pandemic even started. But then over the course of this last year, I mean, you've raised millions of dollars for the Restaurant Employee Relief Fund 
And this is an initiative that, you know, helps restaurant workers with grants. And I mean, it's incredible just to see the stories coming out of that and and how much how many lives you've really touched. I mean, what has that been like for you as you kind of reflect back on the last year? You know, I didn't do it for any. uh, I did it because I was pissed. I was just doing an, mm-hmm. uh, doing an interview today and said, why'd you do it? And I said, I was really mad. I was, stand, <laughs> I was standing here in the kitchen. Actually, I walked outside on the porch because they're on the front steps. And I was talking to a friend of mine that knew what was coming down. There was a lot of speculation. Oh, things are going to get closed. Da, 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 da. And he said, no, they're going to shut restaurants down tonight. Ugh. You have restaurant owners that have walk-ins full of food. You know, five to twenty thousand dollars worth of inventory. You can't shut them down tonight. Give them a window. You know, give it, or maybe they gave them a day or two. But whatever it was, it was what it was going to do is basically going to shut off the shut off the lifeline. And you have employees that live paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. You got single parents. You got college students. You have retirees. You have people that there's so many people. Most people that work in the restaurant business have more than one restaurant job. Mm-hmm. And you have these people that are going to just get, I mean, it's just going to get the carpet ripped out from underneath them. And so I was trying to really come up with a way to how do you help? How do you help on a on a national level? It sounds like a ton of money. $25 million is a ton of money. When you start dispersing that and you give out 43,000 checks for $500, that's a ton. Mm-hmm. When you think that at the at the peak of the pandemic, with 15 million restaurant workers without jobs, a hundred thousand restaurants closed, it just makes you go, "Oh my gosh!" You know, we're going to need a bigger, you know, we're going to need a bigger fundraiser. But it wasn't, you know, part of it was to to let everybody know we did care Mm -hmm. and that the industry cared. And that's what people would say to me. I ran into a lot of them, a lot of team members that got the check and fortunately were back working when that happened. When they came up and said, thank you, I got that check. And I'm like, that's awesome. And they're like, it was just so neat that like people cared about us. Because what does the restaurant industry do for everybody? It takes care of everybody. You go into a restaurant, they take care of your needs. They get you your hot water. They make your dish the way you want. They get you seated. They let you sit there. They cater to you. They 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 say hello to you when you come into the door. You know that's that's what people in the that's what we do. So it was neat to see that the restaurant industry was getting its respectful um, recognition, and especially from the big corporations. Because that's where I went to get the money. I sent all these personal videos out to these to these uh, uh, presidents of these companies that all had a direct correlation with um, the restaurant business and said, heads up, mm-hmm. restaurant business has been taking care of you for a long time. Could you come help? And uh, it was awesome. Awesome. And the National Restaurant Association, awesome people, awesome people that just said, get, get the money. And we'll get it distributed. And it was, I mean, you could think, what is it? I mean, if you did the math of what it takes to calculate, what it takes to f- just take a name, put it on a check, put the check and verify that the person's the really the person, put it in an envelope and mail it. Do that 43,000 times in wow. two weeks, three weeks. You know, it's crazy. No, it was crazy. And, and, and we also kind of saw... Um, 
I guess like a more intimate look at that and how how four specific restaurants, you know, friends of yours um, were really affected by this and, and how they kind of handled this. Um, and, and this was all documented in in your your documentary Restaurant Hustle 2020 all on the line. I mean, especially knowing that you know, knowing these people personally, I mean, it, it's obviously, you know, such a, a huge deal to to hand out these checks to just people in need. But then to, to really get in there and, and see how these restaurants are struggling and, and how they're making it work. Um, what was your biggest takeaway from that project? Not knowing what we were facing, but knowing that it was coming mm-hmm. is, you know, in retrospect, it's even more ridiculous than I, it was when I was asking them. I knew it was going to be tough. You never think it's going to get as bad as it got. And as bad as it's been. And basically what I asked four of my friends to do was, hey, I'm going to send you a, um, I'm going to send you some cameras. It'd be the equivalent of saying to somebody, hey, listen, I'm going to throw you this notebook. Uh, Could you jot down some journal entries as the the, uh, ship is sinking? (laughs) Take some pictures, take some video. And then make sure you get back to me on this. (laughs) And, And so we have this talk and I said, here's what we're trying to do. And here's what. And they're such, they're such badasses. Mm -hmm. They are such, I mean, I already loved them and was already a fan of them and admired them and have them on my shows. And, you know, we have this great camaraderie, but I couldn't be any more enamored with them after this because they were just stoic, stand in the line of fire right on the edge, on the precipice of the whole meltdown. And they're just today, uh, you know, and they're picking up their phone and they're sending me a video of horribleness. You know, I just had to pay all my staff and chicken. Mm. You know, we had a bunch of, I just fed, I fed, I gave all my team that worked for, works for me, everything out of the walk-in. So they had food to take home. Wow. So, Manit Shohan, Marcus Samuelson, Antonio Lafaso, and Christian Petroni. And they are warriors. They are givers. And what we did, and this is what's so important. This is what's more important about the documentary than anything, is that we got to chronicle it. And we got to share with people uh, what happened. And maybe it can be used as a um, learning tool in the future. Because not everything worked. But we adapt and overcome in the restaurant business. That's what we do. As to, to be a restaurant owner, to be really to do it, you got to be everything short of a uh, electrician, plumber, uh, accountant, marketing director, uh, security <laughs> officer, social media uh, expert. <laughs> thank you very much, counselor. You know, counselor, legal advisor. You, know, you got to do it all. And um, and these four took the time i mean i'm telling you i don't know if you saw it but it is i i can't i mean i've watched it a hundred times and i can't i know when i'm gonna get the <laughs> the, the tears i know when i'm gonna get the little choke up the, you know? the onions the onions or somebody's cutting onions <laughs> yeah it's because it was it was because of onions it was because of onions no it's uh it, it was it was powerful stuff um you guys are i appreciate the podcast and i appreciate that you're giving people this insight because you know we're so thirsty 
for information, especially about in the food network world and what goes on. And it really is the most unbelievable network of what goes on and how we do it and what we do and how we change things and how we educate people and all this other stuff. So I think the fact that you guys have uh, have tapped into that and are giving people an insider's view of it is really, uh, is really smart and really strong. So. All right. Well, I appreciate that because uh, it has been a lot of fun and I I do like kind of just, you know, peeling back, you know, like what we see on TV, we see like, we see this larger than life personality. We see, um, you know, all the things, obviously, that you were doing in the community that we just uh, touched on. And but I, I do love to also hear kind of people's origin stories and their evolution. And, and you certainly have one of those because, you know, we go all the way back to Food Network Star and, and to what we see now. I mean, I guess, you know, give me the give me the cliff notes. I mean, how how did you get from there to to what we see now um, on on tournament champions on, on triple D on, on guys, grocery games and, and out in the community doing all this good for, for the restaurant industry. Do you remember Bill and Ted's excellent adventure? I do. Yes. Yeah, I got in that. <laughs> I got in that same telephone booth. You did. Okay? That, that's what happened. I, I don't know how this happened. I mean, I was, all I know is 15 years ago, um, there was a show and I'd never watched the food network. I mean, what am I, I can't watch the food network. I, own my own restaurants. I think I had three restaurants at the time and um, had a, you know, eight-year-old kid, mm-hmm. a hunter, you know, pregnant with uh, with another son on the way. And everybody's like, you got to go do this show on the Food Network called uh, uh, the Food Network Star. And I'm like, okay, what's this about? And they're like, it's Mike American Idol makes, meets food. And I'm like, well, I can't sing. I'm like, no, <laughs> dummy. Um, and they said, you got to do it. And I, I dodged the bullet a billion times with my friends saying, you got to do it, man. You got to do it. We're going to sign you up. You got to do it. Well, you had to send a video in. So I delayed sending the video in. I didn't want to do the video. And finally, one of my buddies named Mustard, uh, (laughs) Matt, but we called him, we called him Mustard and, uh, Matt and another buddy of mine named Rob said, you come down to your, it was a restaurant I had called Tex Wasabi's. And they said, you come down here and we're going to shoot this, this uh, intro. Have you ever seen the intro? Have you ever seen my, my demo? I haven't. I need to you look that up. Got, is it, is it, does it live on the, does it live on the internet somewhere? I don't know where it lives, but I'm going to tell you what it's, you'll see 100% smart ass. <laughs> so I sit there and I do this intro I totally do it on the premise of not being accepted because it's 100%. I said, today for you, I'm, uh, hi, my name's Guy Fieri and I'm here in the wine country. And today I'm going to make a delicious sausage and tofu stuffed terrine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm going to serve that um, because we're in the wine country on a bed of grape nuts with a mildly poached ostrich egg. <laughs> and I'll be topping that off with a delicious pickled herring mousse. Mm. Mm. Yum. And I say it straight faced. <laughs> I say it straight faced right into the camera, all mellow and calm. And then I start to laugh and I go, what's going on with you guys at the Food Network? I said, I'm in, you know, my name's Guy Fieri. I'm into making real food for real people. And da 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 And then I go and cook a dish. And, and uh, it... 
So I have to write it down. I have to actually put it down on paper at some point in time because what transpired from there to me getting on the show is nothing short of some level of intervention somewhere. I sent in a DVD. They couldn't play the DVD at the Food Network. Oh, my gosh. The casting director took it home with her. It happened to fall out of her bag to remind her to watch it at home. Wow. She watched it at home. It worked on her DVD player. She took her DVD player out of her home stereo unit back to the Food Network and said, come watch this. And they see the beginning 20 seconds of me being the complete smart ass, you know, this low talking voice thing. And they're looking at her like, and she's like, just wait for it, wait for it. And then I blow up and, and they go like, <laughs> where is this wacko? Go get him. And they had already cast the whole show. The show was cast and ready to go. Wow. Anyhow, so the, the opportunity was there. And I never had any idea in the world I wasn't going to win this thing. I mean, I showed up in, I showed up in New York. I'd never been to New York. I'm a California guy. Like, I go to New York for I'm be in the city. I showed up November, I think it was 19th. It was my dad's birthday, I think. Lori's at home, eight months pregnant with Ryder. I got three restaurants, a young son, and I show up in New York in shorts with flip-flops <laughs> and a yellow leather jacket. In November? In the in November in this much, you know, six inches of snow when I get out of the cab. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm way fish out of water. I walk into the meeting where everybody's standing there and everybody's lined up in their white chef coats standing there, all the contestants. And I'm like, uh, hey. What's going on? You're like, you guys had a party for me, <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden I'm like, and everybody talks about where they're from and what they do. And I'm like, I am so in the wrong place. And I'm like, I'm like, well, screw it. I'll just have a good time. I'll just make, you know, I'll learn something. I'll, you know, meet some cool people and I'll have this great experience. And little by little, as I went through the competition, I continued to, you know, kind of make my way through the competition. And I ended up winning and, even when I came back after winning, my business partner at the time said, so what are we going to do about, you know, you going to be this TV star now and I'm going to be here. Running. I said, listen, that ain't going to happen. I got a cooking show, you know, six episodes called Guy's Big Bite. You know, you've seen it. It's Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. <laughs> Prime time. <laughs> they got they got everybody they need. They don't need me. And um but it's been an amazing ride, and I try to, uh, you know, when you get this much opportunity, I try not to squander it, and I try to make sure that it really, that I get to do something with it. And so what my interest is, is always, you know, I love to help people. I love to volunteer community. I love to, you know, shine the light on other people. You know, I got a lot of light coming my direction, and now what I really try to do is make sure that with Guys Grocery Games, with uh, diners, Robins and Dives with Guy's Ranch Kitchen. You know, if you get these opportunities, why not share them? And that's really the blessing of this whole thing. Um, so it's been great. I've, I've, I love it. I mean, I, I never saw it coming. Didn't ever, people said, is this a dream come true? And it, no, it wasn't a dream come true because I could never have dreamed this up. I mean, this is way out there, folks. This is, you know, 
all I wanted to be. All I really wanted to do is just own my own restaurant. I just wanted to own my own restaurant. That was going to be because it was great. And I did great when I owned my own restaurant. I had three restaurants, my buddy and I, and we were, we were crushing it. You know, I had a great life and great lifestyle. I owned a house and had a hot rod. (laughs) That's changed a little bit. I might have a couple other things now, but you know. But, but still still the same guy, it sounds like. Um, well, that's what all my friends will tell you. You know, maybe a little <laughs> bit maybe a little bit more eccentric and a little more whacked out. But uh no, what I it, it's really it's really great to be able to go to the network that you have such a great relationship with and say, I wanna make a show and I wanna shine the light on sixteen superstars that need the time and attention and the awareness of the world. And I want to see this, you know, this happen. And it's going to be the most engaging thing that we've ever done on the network and have people look at you and go, you've been not getting a lot of sleep. You? <laughs> you need some <laughs> And I go, no, 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 I'm serious. This is really going to be awesome. And they laugh at you for a couple of years. You know, they, you know, like, go get, go on vacation guy, you know? And I'm like, this is going to be awesome. And then of course, as soon as that, as soon as it aired and we, you know, we knocked it out of the park last year. And then this year, you know, TOC2 is just, it's just, it's, I, listen, I produced it, filmed it, edited it, did, been to there for all of it. Hosted it. And host, oh yeah, and I also did that hosting thing. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> um, don't forget that piece. I sat here with my family and watched the damn show as tuned in to it as anybody was. And I knew what was going on, you know, so that's, that's how great it is. And, and again, I give all that, so much that credit to my team, uh, particularly Brian Lando, uh, who's an amazing, guys, you want to talk about an amazing guy. So, you know, surround yourself with good people like you guys are doing. I mean, you look at this, you've got to, you've got to put this together and do your research and get your insight and all this. It's not easy. People think podcasts are, you know, and I've done some bad podcasts where I'm talking to someone and I'm like, do you even know who's on the other end of this? You guys, you know, if you're going to be great at it, you got to play hard and you got to do your work and you got to be ready to go. And as you guys are and, and, and continued success. So very happy for you. Well, I, I appreciate that very much. And uh, we do appreciate you taking the time before we get, let you go. One final question that we ask all of our guests here on Food Network Obsessed. And I, I'm excited to hear your answer to this. Black licorice. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm actually not asking that one. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a big I'm not a big sweets fan, but black licorice is my jam. Okay. Well, the question is your perfect food day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and dessert. So maybe black licorice is your dessert, but uh, what, what's breakfast, lunch, and dinner on your perfect food day? So I'm not a breakfast guy. Um, okay. Never have been. I heard you hate, you hate eggs, right? Yeah. No eggs for you? Yeah. I, I like eggs. Eggs are very, they're of course, essential in cooking. I'm just not an egg on the plate kind of guy. You know, dressings, but the the uh, sunny side up game, not so much. Not so much. Okay. Uh, if I do eat breakfast, there's one thing I will eat for breakfast, and that is uh, grits, mm. stone ground grits, and ham, and red eye gravy. Yum. And that is my. And maybe avocado toast. Okay. <laughs> I like, I mean, you're a California guy. You gotta, we gotta get the avocado in there. Avocado toast is my jam. I mean, listen, if, if carbs weren't the worst thing in the world for me, um, <laughs> uh, but I love av- avocado toast on some sourdough bread. I mean, 
you'd have to, yeah. Uh, so uh, lunch, I'm a huge, huge fan of um, hot Italian beef mm. with a spicy jardinier on top of it. Like you get it when you go to Chicago. Yep. Um, I'm starving right now also, <laughs> so it doesn't look like it, but I am starving. I'm hungry. So when I said that, my mouth just started. So you get to, that little salivate in the back? Yeah. No, it's not little. It's not a little <laughs> salivating. It's like a, it's like someone opened up the Hoover Dam. Um, so I think that would be, be one of my favorites. Um, I love all Asian food, all Asian food. So uh, sushi, um, miso soup. A wakame salad, um, anything sashimi, anything spicy, anything uh, Thai, uh, Chinese, uh, Korean, Filipino. I mean, I the whole deal. I mean, every all of it. But I love all food. I mean, I wake up every day thinking about food. I mean, I think about food. Even I mean, I think about food. I we in my family it, the the negotiation for what's for dinner typically starts right about breakfast time. <laughs> no, I'm really serious. It's a real thing. I like that. It's a real thing in this house. And it's, you know, and and there were people who go to bed mad around here um, when the food thing doesn't go down their way. <laughs> There's been several times when it'll be three different meals sitting on a table because people will hold their ground about what they want. You know, fine, make it yourself. Um and I'm not a real dessert person, although I really do have an appreciation for um, for uh, chocolate gelato or ch- or not chocolate uh, coffee. Mm. I really like coffee. I like odd flavored things. You know, like have you ever had Fernet, the liqueur Fernet? Yes, I love Fernet. Yes, I lived in San Francisco for five years, so yes, I'm okay. very familiar well, with I'm Fernet. That I'm a big Fernet fan. Yes, I'm a big tequila fan. Um, I'm a big red wine fan. I'm a, there's not many things I don't like. I like just about everything. Everything's on the table. Uh, well, well, that sounds uh, like a delightful food day. And uh, it's been a delight uh, speaking with you. And so much uh, congratulations to you and the team uh, on Tournament of Champions. Such a, a massive production and pulling it off in a, in a pandemic, uh, no less. Uh, you guys should be really proud. And, and we appreciate you taking the time. Well, you got to come next season when we do this again. You guys should rally up and bring your team and go live. You know, yes. or do something because I'll tell you something. Some of the things you'll hear from these chefs, and that's what I really love is I think the edit shows it this year. You see them. I mean, stuff goes stuff goes down. Let's do it. Let's do like a, a like a after you know like after dark t- tournament of champions after dark like after people get eliminated after they win we'll we'll do like live podcasts right on the spot and, and go talk to them at the bar. Yeah, take there the you micro- go. <laughs> take, yeah, take your microphone and go to the bar and talk to them after a few. Beverages. That's where we'll get the real stories. <laughs> oh, that's you'll get more than real stories. You have to have extra mics. So, all right. Well, thank you guys for having me and get continued success. And let me know anytime. I'd be more than happy to come back. All right. We appreciate that. Thank you so much. Wow, that was awesome. Perfect way to ring in our 10th episode. Such a milestone for us and to have Guy on uh, talking all things Tournament of Champions and and really his evolution from Food Network star to what we see now. I I need to get a hold of that audition tape, though. I I definitely want to see that at some point. But needless to say, the, the mayor of Flavortown did not disappoint. 
You can catch Guy on Tournament of Champions on Sunday at 8, 7 Central on Guy's Grocery Games on Wednesdays at 9, 8 Central and on Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives Fridays at 9, 8 Central. All of it is also streaming on Discovery+. Plus. As always, thank you so much for listening. And if you do want to celebrate our 10th episode with us, uh, it's a party. Make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And if you enjoyed today's episode or maybe you've been enjoying it all along, please, please rate and review. We do love when you do that. I read every single one of them. I'm not even kidding. Uh, That's it for now. We will catch you foodies next Friday on Food Network Obsessed. 